Hello and welcome to episode 135 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cully, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Uh, we're coming off of our mid-season awards podcast where we recorded early, so I'm happy to do this back-to-back. And of course, only two games to talk about, but that's okay. And then we have trade talk, so we're good. Yeah, we had an unexpected rain out last night, so two game series against Baltimore, and it got postponed to, I think... Was it September first? Mm-hmm. September eleventh. Eleventh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that game when it happens. Another easy game down the line for the Blue Jays, but now they head into a series against the Rays. Um, and you mentioned the midseason award episode. We've been teasing it a little bit, but um, it's coming out July fourteenth. Get excited for it. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, Jacob, how are you? I'm doing good. It was uh, it was fun to record yesterday and. There's a little blooper in there if you guys want to look towards the end where I almost broke my microphone. But uh, yeah, it's it, you know it's been fun. Season's uh, underway, and unfortunately, only two games against the Orioles. Again, now going into a tough season or series against the Rays. But overall, I think it's been a good first half for the Blue Jays, and I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, this series against the Rays is going to be, I think, pretty pivotal for the Blue Jays. Like. Head-to-head matchups, of course, are always pivotal, but when you look at the positioning of the Blue Jays right now, if they win two of three, they're, I think, four and a half games back in the wild card race. If they lose two of three, they are, I don't know, math is failing me, but they're farther behind. So you look at this this pivotal series, it sets up where the Blue Jays are going to be um, in terms of the trade deadline. So it's a really important series coming up with the Blue Jays. They split the series in Baltimore. They lose 7-5 to on Tuesday. They win 10-2 to on Wednesday. And I think the biggest takeaway from these two games, at least for me, is Hinjin Ryu. Um, we've talked about his struggles before. It's been incredibly concerning, but he came out on Wednesday. He went five innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts, got his ERA net down now to 3.56. That was, of course, really good to see, and we've talked about how necessary it is for him to be a rock in the Blue Jays' rotation and to have him come out and do what he did on Wednesday night. Um, Even if it is against a team like the Orioles, you got to be really happy with that performance. Hey, even if it was against the Orioles, that can be a good momentum shifter for Ryu, and I mean... The thing is, people are. I saw people say, why did he only go five innings, and why are we considering that a good start? But I would say that... if you're able to limit the damage, then that's a good start. And I mean, only five innings. Okay, he just barely qualified for the win. He had five hits allowed, seven, uh, two walks and seven strikeouts. And the seven strikeouts I'm highlighting because he's able to get out of damage. He's able to, he's able to stay in the game long enough. And it was a very humid day. Like if you look in the, in the dugout after that game or after his his last outing, he was. It looked like he just jumped in a pool. So. It was a very tough, uh, it was a tough outing for him in terms of the heat and everything, but he was able to get things done and limited a, not not a great Baltimore Orioles offense to only one run, but he still was able to limit a team full of, I would say, major league caliber players. And it was overall a good start. I think that was his last start before the All-Star break. Blue Jays have, if I'm not mistaken, Manoa, Stripling, and Matt set to go against the Rays. Uh, at least that's what... 
Uh, Sportsnet has it, has it scheduled, so maybe if there's some changes, I don't know. But it looks like Ryu is now done for the first half of the season. I would say overall it was a decent first half. I mean, he did struggle over the last month and a half, two months, but he is still your ace. He's able to bounce back and say, okay, I've not been the greatest. I've had some rough outings, and even there was one outing against Baltimore where he was cruising through, I think, seven and then allowed four earned runs in, in the seventh inning, and that ended up kind of messing up his order or, or his, his outing, even though he went like 15 straight retired batters. But yeah, a good start for him. Then we see rest of the Blue Jays, their bullpen is able to do uh, do what it needs to. Trevor Richards with the scoreless outing. Anthony Kay only allowed one earned run in an inning and a third. And then Tim Meza, Rafael Delis closed out the game. Overall, good. I mean, Blue Jays needed a win desperately after that loss in uh, game one. And they did it. The offense was there. It picked up their, their pitchers who did the job. And you know what? I mean, I wish, I wish yesterday's game didn't get rained out, although I have zero say in that. But you kind of feel as if the momentum was on their side. They could have got that win in the last game before the Rays series. But still, I would say that it was a good start. It was a good game overall. The offense was very good. And if you're a fan of, of Hyunjin Ryu, which I'm sure every Blue Jay fan is, I would say that you should be happy about this start and just we'll see what he can do. He's going to take the all-star break off. I don't believe he was named to be a pitcher there. So we'll see him hopefully in that first series back in, I don't know, a week or two. But yeah, it's uh, overall, I'm, I'm very happy with his start. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a kind of a sigh of relief. It was relieving to see um, him kind of revert back to what we are used to seeing from him and what we expect to see from him. And that was, of course, not a lot of earned runs, a uh, high number of strikeouts, and a decent amount of hits, and then of course that's what exactly what he did. He went five innings, allowed five hits, one earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts. That is a lot more like a Hunjin Ryu start. And you know, even if it was against the Orioles, that's okay because I don't know if you guys remember too. I know he's. I think that was his third start this year against Baltimore uh, already, and we know how the Jays kind of started playing Baltimore later on in the season. So he's seen this team three times now. And his last start at Camden Yards, it was good. It was seven innings, uh, one earned run, and that's kind of where we were talking about how. Maybe Ryu's back, you know, like maybe he looks good now. And then his next outing or his next start was against the Orioles again. And this was now back in Buffalo on June 26th. And he allowed four earned runs in six and two thirds. So he started off good. That was the start where he kind of allowed all of his runs later on in the game. And then we know his bad start on Canada Day as well in the Mariners, where he allowed four in runs in four innings. Uh, I believe that was the shortest outing of the season as well. Or April 25th actually was uh, against Tampa. But either way... That's also when he left the game injured. So this it, that was pretty much his worst start of the year. And then he comes out on July 7th, which is his most recent start. And like you guys mentioned, he was a lot dominant as well. He threw 86 pitches in five innings. Obviously not as efficient as you would have hoped, but just because of how much he struggled, I think we'll take that from Hunjin Ryu. And maybe it was the Danny Jansen effect a little bit. I don't want to put it all on Danny Jansen, but I mean, now the numbers are starting to favor it a little bit more than usual or a little bit more than what we originally thought. But, I mean, Danny Jansen's back. Whatever works for Ryu to, I guess, pitch well, that's what the Jays are going to do. So, Danny Jansen's back. Maybe that's also going to have a good impact on Ryu past the trade deadline. But, yeah, this was a massive um, start for Ryu, and it's good news. And you hope that this can continue past the All-Star break. Like you mentioned, Jacob, that was his last start before the All-Star break. So, now he gets a couple of, I guess, about a week now to relax and... Perhaps the Jays maybe adjust the rotation a little bit just because of all the lefties they have. Maybe they want to start balancing it. So who knows uh, when we're going to see Hunter Ryu pitch again. But it's obviously going to be uh, in about a week. 
And, you know, that game alone was good for the Jays as well. He got run support. Hunjin Ryu did. It was a 10-2 final. And a lot of people were contributing. Bo Bichette, three RBIs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., two RBIs. Kevin Biggio, two RBIs. And a few other guys had an RBI as well. So it was good to see that the Jays finally got to Matt Harvey early this time. Because the last time he pitched against the Jays, it didn't look too good after about three or four innings. And the Jays finally got to him near the end of the outing. So the Jays started off good. It started off with a a three-run first inning. And that's when uh, pretty much the Jays, I think it started off with almost the bases loaded. And it was kind of a weird play in the first inning. That's when the umpire called it out. Oh, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit it to center field. And you you can clearly see the ball drop or, you know, the outfielder completely drop it, which kind of changed the entire inning. And then, of course, the Jays took a advantage of that, and that ended off with a ground rule double from Kevin Biggio. So it was a good start, uh, 10-2. You guys mentioned Trevor Richards as well makes his Blue Jays debut, a, a scoreless outing in one inning of work. And, of course, yes, Rafael Delis closes the game, but it was also 10-2, so you would hope that nothing would have happened that would have uh, make, the, make things go in the opposite direction. And it was kind of a bummer yesterday for the game to get rained out just because you're coming off a 10-2 win and now um, it goes in as an off day. It's going to be made up as a doubleheader uh, later on in the season. And now the Jays have one more series to go before the All-Star break. They have the Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field. And it's not going to be easy. But, you know, based off what we've seen so far, um, starting off in this, uh, this series, which was on July 6th against Baltimore, which ended up being a two-game series, the Jays only made up a game or half of a game in the wildcard standings. And obviously part of that is because the game got rained out yesterday. But now as they stand, uh, they're ahead of the Mariners, basically, uh, by I think one percentage in terms of their win percentage. I think it's fine. 524 and Seattle's is 523. So the Jays sit three and a half games back. They're currently chasing Oakland. And of course, they're chasing Tampa Bay as well. So um, it's going to be a crucial series and an important weekend. And if all things go as planned or the best they can go, perhaps the Jays could be in a wild card spot by the All-Star break. I believe it's possible. Yeah. I mean, ideally, they take two or three. They could even sweep. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I don't think that's likely to happen. But if it does, I would be over the moon. Um, on Ryu, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I mean, this is one good start, and I don't know. I still have underlying concerns about him, and I've said this before. I don't know if we actually had a full-blown conversation about this um, because, Jacob, you weren't here, um, and you had brought it up about Danny Jansen being behind the plate for Ryu, but I'm skeptical of the impact that Ryu has behind the plate. I know you look at the numbers and he does have better numbers with um, Jansen behind the plate. You look at um, with Jansen catching, catching Ryu has a 3.13 ERA. Opponents are batting, um, have an OPS of 681 against him. Reese McGuire, it's a 4.58 ERA, OPS of 734. Riley Adams, it's a 4.5 ERA, OPS of 806. So the numbers just based off that, are a lot better for Danny Jansen behind the plate. But you also look at the fact that Riley Adams has caught two of Ryu's starts. McGuire has caught three of Ryu's starts. I think it's a small sample size, and I'm really skeptical that the reason that he was struggling so much, the reason that he had a 5.35 ERA um, over his last, what was it, six starts, um was because of one catcher. I'm really skeptical of that. So I'm still concerned. I think the most likely explanation for his struggles is sticky stuff. And I know people have gotten upset at me when I've mentioned this, but I think that Ryu probably was using, whether it's 
rosin and sunscreen or pine tar because he is a pinpoint command guy. He was using it for command, which is not what MLB legislated against it for. They legislated against it because they wanted people to stop using it to increase their spin rate. Um, but I think banning it hurts Ryu because now he's struggling with his command. We saw over that six-game span before this game against Baltimore that he had 13 walks and 16 strikeouts compared to vastly different numbers in his first uh, eight 10 starts of the season. In his first 10 starts of the season, he had eight walks and 58 strikeouts. So vastly different numbers there. And I really think there's more to it than just a catcher behind the plate. I'm really skeptical that that's the reason behind his struggles. And now all of a sudden his miraculous improvement. I think it's just, you know, you have a start against Baltimore. You probably get a little bit lucky. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I'm sorry to bring a damper on things, but that's, that's how I feel about this. No, that's that's a fair point, honestly. I mean, unfortunately, the way Major League Baseball handled the whole sticky stuff situation was wrong. There should have, I mean, maybe instead of banning everything completely, change things up a little bit. Don't you say absolutely nothing? Because I think who was it? I think it was Tyler Glasnow. He the first start that he uh, that he had after the sticky stuff incident or the the banning ended up injuring himself and I saw a video I think it was it was a doctor that like re- reviews sports injuries and in the video he uh, Glasnow basically said the gripping of the ball without the sticky stuff was harder because you now don't have that thing that you can rely on and it was like the, a thing in his elbow that ended up getting strained but anyways point is is like the sticky stuff does help a little bit and there was actually legitimacy to to Tyler Glasnow's claims uh, but Unfortunately, with with Ryu, and I think a lot of good pitchers, is you start to wonder, were they only good because of sticky stuff? Now, I mean, Ryu is a good pitcher, and I don't think that we can really take that away from him. But like you said, he he's not he's not going to blow you away with his fastball, maybe ninety five at best. But he, he's a guy that he'll he'll throw a, a variety of different pitches in a variety of different locations, and sometimes like you need good command in order to do that, and. That's why I feel like the just there is probably some legitimacy to those claims, and I know a lot of people don't want to think that their favorite pitcher or the the pitcher on their team was cheating, but or not necessarily cheating, but using this. Like obviously there are people that went too far using spider tack or any of those other things, but I mean Garrett Cole, that whole interview was pretty funny, but uh, it's it's a it's a tough situation. And the thing with Danny Jansen is. When I said that, uh, I didn't necessarily think that Danny Jansen is like the savior for Ryu, but I feel like it's more of maybe just a comfort and a superstitious thing. Now that that's probably not the most reasonable or or hard-hitting type of analytics, but the way I see it is it's just the two of them are very comfortable together and they've caught each other, or he's Jansen's caught Ryu up until his injury every single start. So to me, it just seemed as if Danny Jansen was going to get the call up and ended up ended up getting the call just because the Blue Jays do trust him with Ryu and they kind of wanted to see if it can turn things around. Do I think it's the end of it now that he had a good start against Baltimore? Absolutely not. Uh, going into after the Blue Jays post All-Star break schedule, they have a three-game series with the Rangers, uh, a three-game series with the Red Sox, uh, uh, then three games with the Mets, three games against the Red Sox again, and then two games against the Royals to end July. So, I mean relatively easy month I would say Ryu's probably going to make a couple more starts probably one in the Rangers series and then maybe in the Mets series I mean the Mets are relative they're doing I mean they're doing okay like 
I wouldn't say it's a ridiculously difficult schedule for Ryu and the Blue Jays as a whole, but that I'm more interested to see how he handles that. The post All Star break, you have a bit of time to regroup. He's except for missing what was it like one or two starts in April or May, he's pretty much been healthy all season. So now give him some time to regroup. You sit out for the All Star game, the All Star break, really. You come back and you have some some starts against relatively easier teams. And I mean, in July or, or two, yeah, so basically like the month is not too difficult. I think it will, it'll be interesting to see how he's able to regroup against them. Do I think that he'll be the 250, 260, whatever pitcher he was? I'd hope that. I don't think that's realistic, maybe over a full season, unless there's a complete turnaround. But I would say, yeah, like this... I feel like the All-Star break came is going to come at the perfect time for Ryu. Get some time off. Figure things out with your catcher. If there was sticky stuff, learn to adjust without it because pitchers have to do that. And we'll see if he's able to rebound. But yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to be needed if the Blue Jays, with the, the additions they're making, are going to push for a wild card or especially even a pennant. Yeah, um, I think Mark. Yeah, I think you're right about the fact that we still aren't out of the woods yet. And I completely agree with you on that. It, obviously, it is one start. Now you're heading into the All-Star break. He's going to cool down just because he won't be pitching. And then now he's got to get going again. But, you know, I, I know the sticky stuff thing is quite a topic of conversation. I think that's to say the least. And I think all, everyone kind of, well, when people are struggling, especially since the crackdown started at some point in June, a lot of people are obviously looking at the splits and how who's been affected the most, right? We're looking at the Garrett Cole numbers, Aroldis Chapman. We we spoke about him, I think, um, last week about how he had a 22.5 ERA ever since the uh, crackdown on foreign substances. And there's been a whole bunch of people uh, that have been affected by it. And of course, Ryu conveniently starts struggling when the crackdown begins. However, I still am not sold on the fact that it's just the sticky stuff that is causing him to wear down or even the fact that he uses a lot of sticky stuff to begin with because obviously everyone is looking at this and everyone is kind of looking at the spin rates before and after and um, I think Hunjin Ryu ever since the crackdown started he had a dip of 19 RPM or fewer after the breaking balls were up by a similar amount so not much of a difference so basically some of the results that he has shown since the crackdown aren't exactly a major difference before the subs or before the crackdown began. And then of course, when you want to look at it, then what's the problem? And Mark, we, you were going over his metrics as well and kind of how he's on the decline. And I think it's a little bit more him on the decline than it it's him with sticky stuff. And one thing too, and I don't know if you guys remember, you know, based off of what happened last year, but there were a few times last year where he got more than five days of rest. He got an extra day of rest before or in between starts. And of course, last year, we all know what happened with how uh, there was the shutdown. They came back in July. It was a rapid or a rapid spring training. They weren't even playing games. They were playing simulated games against each other at home ballparks. So the injuries and even the last year, uh, the injuries were up. People were concerned about pitchers staying healthy. That was part of the reason why the DH was implemented last year for the National League as well. And when Ryu had that extra day of rest, because I have his splits here as well, he is more of an effective pitcher. After six plus day, six or more days of rest between starts, he has an ERA of 284. If he's on five days of rest, he has an ERA of 336. What I'm trying to say is maybe Ryu needs that extra day of rest down the line. And I know right now the Jays aren't in that position because of their lack of pitching depth. I completely understand that. And really, who are you going to do that to right now? Who do you feel like, or who are you going to send out there to give Ryu an extra day of rest right now? Currently where the Jays sit, 
it's not possible. So whatever that means in terms of his splits, maybe it's empty numbers, maybe it's something, but pretty much it goes back to the fact that what we've been talking about all year is that the Jays need pitching help. Perhaps this also leads to a reason to get another starter, to give Ryu that extra day of rest, not every time, not every time through the order, but that odd time throughout the order for the rest of the year, maybe that extra day of rest is going to help Ryu. Maybe it will be because I'm still not a firm believer that he is using or the sticky stuff uh, crackdown is affecting him as much as we think. I'm not saying you guys do too, but just compared to other pitchers, obviously that's not the case. But I just feel like it's more on the point that he's getting older. And this goes back to what you said again, Mark, in terms of how his numbers are slowly declining. Maybe the Jays need an extra starter. Maybe they need to give Ryu more rest in the second half of the season. Just for someone who's getting up there. He's in his mid-30s now. And I know the Jays are currently three games back or three and a half games back of that second wildcard spot. But I just think it all goes back to the same point that this team needs help. And maybe I'm overreacting. I could be for sure. Maybe it's just something that he just has to figure out. Maybe he is starting to figure it out because Danny Jansen's back. There's a whole bunch of uh, possibilities and nobody really knows what's going on. I think this also has a lot of concern to the front office. Can you just imagine, you know, obviously the money that the Jays gave him, um, it was what, almost 80 million in four years you know what, what's going on because his decline hasn't been slowly and it hasn't it hasn't been steady it has been rapid and it kind of took a complete nosedive and a lot of people are just out of questions and out of answers so I don't know where they go from here you definitely hope that he can figure it out it definitely ended off on the right note for the first half of the season but perhaps the solution in the second half of the season is to maybe push him a few times and maybe give him an extra day of rest because clearly his splits have shown that even going back to last year when he was on that extra day of rest. And I remember everyone was talking about that at the time of how Ryu liked that extra day of rest. Maybe that the Jays kind of loop back to that in the second half of the season. We're all hoping for the best in the second half. Um, like we said, you can't understate the impact that Ryu has on the rotation. Um, you mentioned the possibility of acquiring starter. Um, the Blue Jays acquired a reliever this past week. Um, they acquired Trevor Richards from the Brewers in exchange for Rowdy Telez. Um, they also got prospect um, Bowden Francis um, from the Brewers in that deal. Um, the, it's exactly what the Blue Jays need to do. It's a move to solidify the bullpen, and this move, in addition to the move for Adam Simber, in addition to a lesser extent, the move to acquire um, Jacob Barnes, this is all within the plan for the Blue Jays in terms of acquiring guys who can solidify the bullpen, make those 18 games that the bullpen has lost, I'm sure that count is higher at this point, um, make those go away, make those stop happening in the second half. Um, the thing I like most about this deal is that, and, and the other deals have the Blue Jays have made, but especially this deal, is that it's not just focused on this year. You look at this deal, you get a prospect, Bowden Francis. He has good numbers. Um, he's a top 25 prospect in the Brewers system. He just added a slider this year in AAA, and his numbers back it up that he's made pretty big improvements. Um, he's kind of projected as a back end of the rotation guy in the majors. And if you're getting that guy as a toss-in in a deal where you only give up Rowdy Telez, uh, I think that's really good. I think that's pretty awesome. And I like the fact that the Blue Jays are not just building to win this year. They're building to win down the line. And I think that's my favorite thing about this deal. But Trevor Richards, we've already seen him. Uh, maybe not a guy you go to in high-leverage situations, but he's going to improve the bullpen. And that's all you can ask for. See, I also like the creativity behind these because look at it. The first deal with Joe Panic, 
I think it's fair to say he was not returning next season. Came back on a minor league deal this year. He, I, I think it, it's fair to say that he was not coming back. Blue Jays get a, a good reliever that they have team control over for a couple years out of him. Look at Rowdy Telez. No disrespect to Telez, but it's just, unfortunately, he just hasn't been, he hasn't been what he was in 2020. He just, he, he was struggling this year, and there's not really any room for him. I mean, with the way the Blue Jays are handling their designated hitter spot, Guerrero's obviously always going to play first base. It's either Telez is in the lineup as the DH, and Guriel or, or Grichik or somebody's not playing, or Telez is not playing. So it's just, it, it they need. They didn't have room for him, and they were able to get something out of him. So I like both of these deals, and it does solidify the bullpen. Honestly, it 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 truly does. We saw. I think it was Trent Thornton go uh, get sent down to the minors a couple of days ago. Maybe they stretch him out as a starter. I know he made a lot of starts in 2019. See if they can do that. I'm not entirely sure with that situation, but I don't. In terms of the rotation, I'm not really sure if they will make any moves. I think it might just be bullpen moves because. Ryu has been struggling a little bit, but he's still d- relatively dependable. Like a 350 ERA, I would still take out of pretty much anybody, even if you're expect like if you're expecting more out of him. But a 350 ERA is still not bad objectively. And then you have Manoa, Ray, uh, Stripling, Matt. So that like they have starters that they can rely on, and unless maybe you don't carry somebody, like you, you put Ross Stripling in the bullpen, which is not the, the right move in my opinion, or you get rid of Steven Matz, then there's really no room for a starter. I'm not saying that I wouldn't take a Max Scherzer or, or any type of starter, but it's just, I don't know if there's necessarily room for, for a starter. But uh, yeah, I, tr- I like these bullpen moves kind of under the radar if you're not necessarily covering the team or you're not a fan of the team. But it, they're ones that could end up uh, working. You look at 2016 again with Jason Grilly, Joaquin Benoit, I think were want two of maybe a couple moves they made and they helped them down the line where especially they were guys that were able to turn things around and I mean Trevor Richards this year hasn't been terrible I mean his ERA is 358 which is better than his 433 career ERA so I would I would say he's having a better year this season let's see what he's able to do in this bullpen and the, the bullpen's in desperate need of arms I mean I think it was Ryan Barucki put on the 60-day IL I think I believe it was Thomas Hatch is getting closer now, but unfortunately, Barucki is a little bit further down the line than we had hoped and than we'd expected. But these moves, I think, will they'll solidify them not not necessarily to bridge to the, to when those guys come back off the IL, but also just be good guys this season and next season. Because, like you said, this team it's not in a win now mode. I don't think that even if it it was in a win now mode, they would win. Like, I mean, I hope they win, obviously, but. The Blue Jays, they're still in it for the long haul, and it's good to see that not only are they making moves this season and last season for that season to benefit them, but they're also looking forward to the future to say, who can we depend on next year or in two years? And they're making those moves, and they're ones that really aren't costing them a lot. So it's they're, they're moves, I think, that you really can't dislike. Yeah, and just to clarify too, Ryan Barucki is going to be back soon. He's currently rehabbing uh, in AAA Buffalo. He was just moved to the 60-day IL to make room on the 40-man roster. So he is eligible to come off. It's either going to be sometime this weekend or it'll be the first game after the All-Star break. He'll be back. And of course, uh, Thomas Hatch is currently in AAA. He was, he was already activated off the injured list. 
And the one with the setback, unfortunately, was Julian Merriweather, who I guess they kind of just revealed that he had a setback, but apparently he is going to resume throwing soon. So that's another guy who could potentially be back right after the All-Star break. So things are looking up in terms of the bullpen getting healthy. We're getting to that point. It's just taking a little bit longer than usual. But, you know, going back to the trade as well, it's not a bad move at all. And I think you want to go back to that Joe Panic trade, and we'll start with Rowdy Telez, is that the fact that the Jays do have Corey Dickerson now, who is a left-handed at-bat, who is going to be back or hopefully hopefully going to be back at some point this year. Uh, I mentioned it at the time. I think that kind of solidified how the Jays felt about Rowdy Telez, and I think that kind of put an end to his tenure here just because, unfortunately, he's been given, or been given opportunity after opportunity, and he just hasn't adjusted to the big league level. You know, when you want to look at 2020, 60-game season, he was hurt for a good chunk of it near the end. You know, not a lot of people are taking anything away from that season, rightfully so. But going back to 2019 as well with Rowdy Telez, he had to go back down to the minors at some point as well. And he's just never gotten over that hump to adjust to being an MLB hitter. So you wish him nothing but the best in Milwaukee. He is on the MLB roster over there now. So good luck to him. But with Trevor Richards, um, it's a good move to acquire Richards and Bowden Francis, like Mark, you were mentioning, to get those two players for someone like Rowdy Telez. Richards, I don't believe he pitched against the Jays this year when he started the year with Tampa. This is his third team now this year. So... He goes over, he starts with Tampa, not the greatest, a 450 ERA in six games. He goes to Milwaukee, plays 15 games, a 320 ERA, so kind of turns it around a little bit in Milwaukee, and now he's with the Jays. One pretty good, uh, solid appearance to start, and you have to imagine that he'd be a good uh, option later on in the games, like you mentioned, regardless if it's the seventh or maybe eighth inning, it's all going to depend on what Charlie Montoyo is thinking. So Trevor Richards, a good deal, and it's one of many to go. And you were also mentioning, Jacob, the fact of the starting rotation, you know, even going back to the Ryu thing, if the Jays do get a starter, you know, what does that mean for someone like Ross Stripling or going to the bullpen? And I was one who supported Ross Stripling eventually going to the bullpen. But however, over the course of the last two weeks, as he continues to pitch well, and even Mark going off the board in our midseason awards, uh, choosing him as a comeback player of the year, or you know, best reliever of the year, whatever award it was, um, you know, I think he has earned the right to stay in the rotation for the time being, especially maybe even down the line, because this turnaround has been dramatic in a good way. The question I have now for, like, you know, if you guys want to think about this as well, is what does that mean for someone like Steven Matz? Is he going to be in the rotation past uh, the trade deadline? And I don't think you can guarantee that he will be. I know that he's been, you know, mediocre. We know what we're getting out of Steven Matz. But if the Jays go out and upgrade in the starting rotation, for me, he's the odd man out right now to either go to the bullpen or just, you know, who knows what happens to Steven Matz. But as of now as well, uh, the, the move kind of impacts uh, the bullpen in terms of the long man. Anthony Kay is going to be the long man for the time being. And that kind of puts an end to Trent Thornton in the bullpen for now. I'm sure he, he'll be back up at some point this year. And he goes back down to AAA Buffalo. So that's kind of the ripple effect that that creates there. But Trevor Richards is a good, solid addition. And he it's someone that we all kind of know pretty well in terms based off of his three years in Tampa. So a pretty good, um, you know, career so far, a 428 ERA with Tampa in those three years. But uh, Jacob, you mentioned his career ERA as well. So this year in particular, he's definitely having a better season than usual. And you just hope that the turnaround he had in Milwaukee back in um, the earlier part of the season, you hope that that translates in Toronto and you hope that it maybe even gets better. So I'm happy with the deal they made. And of course, you wish nothing but the best for Rowdy Telez. It just didn't work out here. And, um, you know, that's one out of many the Jays still have to make in terms of moves, and they still have until the end of July to do so. Yeah, mentioning the starters, I don't, I really don't see the Blue Jays getting a starter. I just, 
it hasn't been their area of need as of late. They haven't really expressed interest in any starters, so I don't see it happening. Um, I think, you know, the guys that we have seen them rumored to be involved with besides the guys they've already acquired. Um, we got a rumor earlier today that the Cubs are selling and Arash Madani saying that the Blue Jays are in on Craig Kimbrell. That's someone they've talked about. That's someone they have interest in. Um, he's obviously fits the bill of what the Blue Jays need. He's a reliever. He is one of the best in the game. He's been doing it for years and years and years. Um, some people argue he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Who knows? But uh, that doesn't matter for the Blue Jays. He's just a really good reliever. Another guy that doesn't really fit the bill of what the Blue Jays need, but apparently they could be interested in him. Um, take it with a grain of salt because it's from John Heyman, but um, <laughs> Nelson Cruz, the designated hitter for the Twins. Uh, apparently, he could be a target for the Blue Jays. Who knows how um, you know, truthworthy that is, how accurate it is, but again, Nelson Cruz, Craig, Craig Kimbrell, two guys that we've seen. Um, we haven't seen the Blue Jays in on starters besides that one mention of Jose Barrios from, uh, I think it was John Morosi months ago. Um, so I'm skeptical that the Blue Jays will add a starter unless it is someone who's under team control for a while. Like if it's a trade, another trade with the Marlins, they have a lot of great young pitching prospects and, and pitchers that are already in the majors who are under team control for a while. Um, I'm skeptical that the Blue Jays go out and do much besides that. Um, what do you guys make of, let's start with the Nelson Cruz rumor, because it is kind of off the wall, and a lot of people have not been happy with it. Um, because, I mean, you look at the Blue Jays' offense, it is one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. Like That is not the weakness of this team, yet Nelson Cruz would only improve that. He doesn't even improve fielding because he's a DH, but... You know, 41, 42 years old. Um, he has great numbers. Uh, 304 batting average, 160 OPS plus this season. He's on a one-year $13 million deal with the Twins. Um, to me, the Blue Jays don't need to make this deal, but it makes sense. Like, everyone's complaining about this deal, but to me, like, you can only improve the bullpen so much. And by improving the offense... By scoring more runs per game, that's going to help the bullpen. Like, I don't understand why people are so upset about the potential of making this deal when it is going to mean less blown games by the bullpen because you're going to be scoring more runs. Like, yes, it might not directly address the area of need for the Blue Jays, but again, they've already made two deals there. They might be making a third or fourth with Craig Kimbrell, Richard Rodriguez, at some point, there's a max limit of what you can do. Nelson Cruz is still going to improve the team. He's still going to make the team better, and I don't oppose that deal. Does it maybe not make sense from a long-term you know, winning schedule point of view? No. He's under contract only for this year. Blue Jays are going to have to give up something and might not get much back in terms of if they only get Cruz, but... I don't understand why people are so opposed to this deal when it would improve the team. It would mean less blown games from the bullpen. Even if Nelson Cruz doesn't pitch, he's still going to improve the team. See, I would argue that the improvement would be very minimal. That's the reason why I'm... I wouldn't say... Okay, if the Blue Jays get him, I wouldn't complain. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. As long as the return's not huge. Or as long as the return for the Twins is not massive. But... I don't see this making any sense because if you have a DH that's only going to DH, a guy that's only going to sit on the bench and hit, 
what what does that mean for your flexibility with the outfield? Now, I know maybe Nelson Cruz is a better hitter than Randall Gritchick, but you take him out of the lineup. Now, Gritchick's not playing... Uh, uh, or he's not playing a lot more than he than he, or he's out of the lineup a lot more than he normally is or Guriel is out of the lineup a lot more and then Santiago Espinal the uh, Jonathan Davis like all these guys are going to eventually see a reduced playing time now yes granted you're getting g- a good hitter but I don't think it makes any sense and especially like what happens if the Blue Jays go to the National League Cruz is out of the game or out of pretty much that entire series or as long as they're playing there so it just it to me, it doesn't really make sense, especially when your offense is already extremely good. Now, yes, those extra couple runs would benef- benefit the team, and I wouldn't say that it's it's an awful thing to do, but I, I don't think acquiring a hitter is what they need right now at all, unless you're getting a bench bat or a utility guy. It's just, to me, if Nelson Cruz could, in theory, play anywhere on the on the field, or, or at least somewhere on the field, okay, you can you can justify it, but just to say we're getting a bat it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me and i think where do you fit him in the lineup as well like uh, it's maybe middle of the lineup after springer and hernandez something like that is not necessarily a bad option but still i just i i don't think it makes any sense at all if they do it if this happens i, I don't think it's likely but if it happens obviously i'll welcome him and if he helps the team then that's good but if you're thinking of ways to improve the team, I don't think that getting a hitter is what you do. You get a pitcher or or nothing. Like I, I mean, the only way I think you improve the team offensively is if you somehow get maybe a bottom-of-the-order guy that can turn the lineup over. I guess that might be an area of concern. But in terms of power, the Blue Jays have it with Springer who in a limited limited at-bats is still hitting a couple of home runs. I think he has five or six at this point, but Guerrero's among the league leaders. Uh, Springer, or not Springer, Simeon's among the league leaders. Teoscar Hernandez is down the line in league leaders, but he's like tied for, I don't know, I think it was like 30th or something. But like you have guys that can hit home runs. So it, it doesn't really make sense for me to get a guy that's going to hit for power only if it means hitting. Like I think the the best move to make if you want to improve the overall team is to improve either your defense or your pitching. And just a, a hitter, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Uh, I love it. I love this rumor. And I really hope that something like this happens because... You know, the point that I I just have to agree with Mark on this, like, you know, how much more like there's only so much you could do to the bullpen and the Jays are on the right track. They're nowhere close to being finished with it. But why not improve the overall team? Why not improve the lineup? This guy, Nelson Cruz, we know Nelson Cruz so long. He's been in the game for so long, 17 years and counting. Um, a 2.1 war this year, an OPS of 925, an OPS plus of 157. Uh, that's insane. And, you know, if you want to talk about the impact he makes on the lineup, regardless if the Jays need it or not, I think that kind of sums it up right there. And in terms of where would he play? Well, you know, the Jays, they're obviously going to find a way to make him fit in the lineup. And, you know, there's still people on the roster that can easily be moved. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, I don't who would it, who would it be? Uh, I don't know for sure. But there's definitely people on this roster that is definitely uh, not a lock to stay on the team past the trade deadline. So either way, no matter what goes on from there, yes, it was a John Hamer report. Yes, he also mentioned Oakland. And when you want to look at the Oakland uh, Oakland lineup, he obviously is a better fit in Oakland in terms of what the Oakland Athletics need. But if the Jays are going to pull the trigger on this or if they are interested in it, 
why not go for it? I, I don't understand, you know, if you make the argument, yes, they don't need it. Yes, you know, the lineup's full. Yes, he's a DH, but these, there's so many of that. But the Jays would find a way to put him in the lineup. You know, you're not thinking about a National League interleague series with me you're thinking about putting him in the lineup and obviously the dh spot yes that kind of sticks it with him uh in terms of him being a dh every day unfortunately but the lineup's better on paper and the the team gets even better i mean we were talking about uh the bullpen this year how much time how many times leads have been blown you can increase the offense by getting crews and you can also increase the bullpen at the same time i'm not saying the jays go all out and completely unleash their farm system for this but based on the front office they are cautious they make deals accordingly and i think they've proven that year after year that they're not going to do that which is why i completely trust shapiro and atkins once again i think i've said that before so if they're really going to entertain this go for it I, i i have no problem with the rumor at all i have no problem with him being a possible Blue Jay, yes, it's kind of it's pretty much a rental because he's here for only the rest of 2021. But I mean, that also maybe diminishes his value a little bit, even though the Jays would still have to give up something decent in return. The Twins are selling; they've been a tire fire all year. We know that people like uh, Jose Barrios, like you mentioned, the Jays' rumor mark earlier on in the season. There's even reports of the New York Mets being interested in Josh Donaldson. So. It looks like the Twins are going to be a seller, and that obviously fits in with the Cubs as well. We're going to talk about Kimbrell in a sec, I believe, so I'll stick with Cruz for now. But the impact of Nelson Cruz in this lineup would be amazing. Can you imagine his lineup, or him, along with people like, you know, just everyone in the lineup? I I can go through every single name. It makes the lineup so much better. Yes, it's not an area of need, but it makes the team better. I mean, you're adding somebody with an OPS Plus of 157. like that. That's pretty significant. It's not a minor tweak where you go like, eh. You know, he's here now, but, you know, you want to watch him hit, and him hitting makes this team even more powerful and even more strong in terms of making a run for the playoffs down the line. So I'm all for it. If the Jays want to pursue this, go for it. I trust the front office in terms of how aggressive they would be in pursuing Cruz. It's obviously not a guarantee to happen. Who knows how true it is? Like you said, it's a John Hammond report, so take it with a grain of salt. But it definitely gets me excited for uh, the trade deadline coming in within the next uh, 20, 30 days. Yeah, I don't think it should be a priority, but I have no problem with the rich getting richer. Like, if the offense gets better, there's no complaints from me. Um, it's it's only positives. It's only pluses. Um, okay, you mentioned Craig Kimbrell. Uh, yeah, it, this is a guy who would fit the Blue Jays' picture of what they need. And I think, honestly, like I said, I think the bullpen is close to done. I think it's one piece away from being done. Craig Kimbrell would be that one piece. Richard Rodriguez would be that one piece. You look at Kimbrell, he has, now this is not a mistake, but he has a 0.57 ERA this season. 29 games finished, 33 appearances, 20 saves, 31.2 innings, 0.57 ERA. It's just insane numbers, and to have that guy in the bullpen who's pretty much automatic, like he's given up two earned runs this season. Um, on one home run, 10 walks, 54 strikeouts. It's just automatic from him. You know what you're getting every time you go to him, and that's who the Blue Jays don't have in the bullpen. Um, even a guy like Jordan Romano, occasionally you know he's going to blow up. He did a couple games ago. He gave up two runs. So having someone like Craig Kimbrell would do exactly that, have him be an automatic guy in the bullpen. Um, what I am worried about is that the Blue Jays might have to give up a little bit too much for him. Uh, because of those numbers, because we know he's a premier reliever, one of the best in the game, 
And we know the Cubs, you know, they're a smart organization, or at least they were before Theo Epstein left. Um, they're not going to give him away for nothing. Um, he is uh, on an expiring contract. He has a team option for next year, which I don't know how much that is. He's on a three-year, $43 million deal right now. Um, who knows whether the Blue Jays pick that up, depending how much money it is, if he gets traded. Um, but that's my one concern with this. But overall, he would be, you know, like we've said, exactly what the Blue Jays need in the bullpen. I want this deal to happen. I'll say that right now. As long as, as long as, as long as the price is not astronomically high, make this deal because, as you mentioned with Romano, like I trust Romano. Even if he does blow a game here and there, I still do trust him. But to have two, I would argue that to have two elite guys closing out games means that you're pretty much a lock for any safe situation. And take this in. Craig Kimbrell has played since 2010, so 11 seasons. He's only missed the All-Star game three times. One of them was in his first season with the Braves, and then in 2019, he missed it with the Cubs. And, and tw- Actually, I should say only two, because 2020, there was no All-Star game. But he has made the All-Star team nearly every single team, that, or every year that he's played. And with the... With the exception of his first two seasons with with the Cubs, where he had a 6.53 ERA and a 5.28 ERA, his ERA, his career ERA, would probably be mid ones. Like this dude is, he's ridiculous. We saw him with the Red Sox. He is he's fantastic. I love his windup. It's just it's it's very interesting. Uh, I'll still never forget the video that somebody showed me where people in the stands, like right behind home plate, were kind of doing the the thing that he does with his arms and. It was a lot of fun. I think Blue Jay fans would embrace him. And if they get him, you better hope that they, they pick up that option. They ha- like the, the, the argument that I would make is they do have the money. Yes, they signed George Springer. Yes, they have Hyunjin Ryu up for maybe like a combined $40, $50 million next year. But with aside from that, I would argue that they do have the money. They have a lot of guys on rookie contracts on, on close to league minimum. So these are guys that you could easily pick up as long as you keep them now that being said if the cubs do ask for multiple top prospects or a major league type caliber player then you start to wonder is it worth it for half a season with the potential of another season or or maybe you re-sign him or extend him i don't know but if the return is too high no I, i i think that you'd be fine with jordan romano but if you're able to get this deal done why not it'd be perfect he knows i mean he's He's Craig Kimbrell's already faced the AL East. He faced he was like I said with the Red Sox. He's faced all the teams. He knows how to get them out. I don't see it as a bad thing. I I would for sure welcome this deal. And the Blue Jays would then after that the bullpen is completely done. You work with what you have. You you've made your additions. You have the guys that you can still weed out and say okay you that were with our team previously. You're you come to the bullpen you you pitch well or you know, they see who's done well in the minors or in the on the major league bullpen and then you, i think your bullpen set like the the struggles that they had in may and in, in april and june might be over if they make one more move and they and then they take their best of of the guys that were currently on the team but this is this i think would solidify the bullpen 100 percent, and i would argue that it would maybe make the bullpen uh top 10 in the league something like that because then that way i your lights out especially in the back end you definitely would trust our most of if not all those guys 
Yeah, there's definitely still one or two pieces away, going back to what Mark said as well. And it's tricky because that team option definitely has more value to Craig Kimbrell's Kimbrell's name because obviously you feel like it'd get picked up because if you don't pick it up, he's probably going to want more than $43 million based on the season he's had. He's on track for, I would say, his best season of his career besides his rookie year in 2010. That was only 21 games and 0-44 ERA. But anything like that, nothing's come close to it since. And he is on the best um, season of his career thus far. Or and you know he we we do we know him well be, because of his three years with um, with the Red Sox. Obviously, we know him really well, <laughs> and he would be a massive addition to this bullpen and something that the Jays definitely are going to pursue. I don't even think we need to call it a rumor because I'm sure Ross Atkins, I'm sure every team is looking at K, uh, Craig Kimball right now. So the Cubs have a lot of leverage in terms of what they're going to give up on him. They're obviously going to try and get a, a little bit more than usual from other teams. It depends how desperate teams are going to get. And that goes back to the point of the front office. You know, would Ross Atkins cave or would Ross Atkins fold and give them more? Probably not. I, I doubt it because of what they have done so far. Unless I could be wrong, it definitely could. Have, it can go either way. But for uh, Craig Kimbrell, an 057 ERA, like you guys mentioned, a whip at 0.66. This guy's been dominant all year. And um, besides of his two years with the Cubs before this year, I don't really look too much into it just because obviously 2019 was when he was signed in almost July. And he, I guess, he jumped right into things. He didn't really have a lot of time to get going. And 2020 was 2020. So I don't really look at his first two years with the Cubs as a, much of a concern. And going back to his years with Boston, San Diego, even Atlanta... Those are dominant numbers, and they're consistent. 46 saves, 42 saves. Each year, he's had um, you know, saves at least over 30, 30 and over. So it's definitely good to see. And he would be a good piece of this bullpen if you move Jordan Romano down, maybe a setup man in the eighth inning. It's a good one-two punch, and even... Uh, somebody in the seventh inning, like maybe Trevor Richards or even Adam Simber. It's a really good uh, one, two, three punch that could potentially be on the rise. And of course, you can't count out Richard Rodriguez as well. We talked about him uh, last week. The problem with him, too, is he's going to be expensive just because he's under team control until 2024. So he has arbitration next starting next year and then going up to 2024. He's going to cost a lot as well. So basically, with these relievers, if the Jays want to go after people of this high caliber, uh, you know it's going to be expensive. It just It's going to the question is how expensive it's going to be, and I, I don't really think it matters between Rodriguez and Kimbrough. They're both going to be very expensive. There's so there's so many other names. Barrios, uh, Jose Barrios, that can also maybe circulate back towards the Jays as the the Twins get closer to the trade deadline. I'm sure they're going to be. Uh, I don't think they've really announced anything yet in terms of them buying or selling, but it looks like they're going to be selling uh, based on what people are saying all over, I guess, baseball. So I, I wouldn't be surprised with that as well. And you know, people like Craig Kimbrough. That's one of Maybe a couple more pieces the Jays have to go for the bullpen. Maybe it's just one more to go. And if you add him, if you add somebody like Nelson Cruz, all to these rumors we all know, all of us know, you know, not every one of these is going to happen. But it's definitely good news to see that the Jays are involved in this. You know, it feels good for them to be buying again. Kind of miss that uh, in terms of them having to be sellers the past few years. It's definitely not a good feeling as, you know, as good of a feeling as it is to buy. So that's why I'm very intrigued to see what Shapiro and Atkins are going to do. And someone like Craig Kimbrell, I just didn't really understand until maybe uh, early on in the season when the Cubs went on that 11-game winning streak uh, before they obviously fell off. It was how dominant he really has been. So it took me a little bit to realize that. And, you know, with Kimbrell too, it's just, I mean, Mark, you've seen him a lot too just because of the Boston area. You know, he's just... Um, a high class pitcher. He had a. I remember when I went to Fenway uh, in 2019. He had a 
kind of a really cool intro coming out of the bullpen in the ninth inning. So he'd be definitely loved here, and I think a lot of us know who he is pretty well. So we'll see what happens with that. But it looks like the Cubs as well are going to be sellers left, right, and center. Chris Bryant's also going to be shopped. Maybe Kyle Hendricks is going to be shopped. So there's a lot of options in terms of the market this year. I think it's starting to circulate a little bit more now as teams are starting to lean towards if they're going to buy or sell and teams that are going to sell uh the market's going to take form very quickly so i think we're seeing that right now so we'll see what happens uh after the all-star break if the jays get something done for either kimbrell rodriguez or even cruz yeah and i think every uh every closer for the red sox has kind of a awesome intro i think it's matt barnes right now if i remember correctly but whoever comes in in the ninth at fenway they always do a crazy intro and it's a lot of fun with their walk-up song stuff but even though you know the Blue Jays are probably going to lose when they're bringing in a closer. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Kim- Kimbrell would be amazing. I mean, there's to, to wrap up what we've said over the last like 15 minutes, it would be incredible, um, and there's nothing short of that. Um, okay, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, you can find us on social media at Section138Pod. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can support our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash section138pod. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or help spread the word about what we're doing. And our podcasts are available to watch on YouTube. Um, so if you enjoy consuming our content that way instead of just by audio only, you can check that out. Um, and if you're watching this video, you can watch, you can listen to the podcast as well. So thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. We'll catch you next time for the first half finale with a season... Uh, I'll look back at the first season, first half of the season, um, and I'll look back at this series against the Rays, which hopefully goes well, but we'll catch you then. Yeah.